0: Well, uh, good morning, everyone, and thank you for the opportunity to speak with you. And thank you for coming on this bit of a rainy morning, unexpected spring day. Um, I, I want to talk about uh, various plans for the future and how we can entrust those plans to God. And so it's been an interesting time of envisioning for the church. I can't remember the exact dates, but it was it four weeks ago? We had the various ministries of the church come up and say, this is what we've been doing, this is where we've been, and this is where we want to go. And then just last week, we had the induction of the pastor to come uh, to the service. Um, So it's an exciting time for the church community, but where are we going in the future? But maybe as individuals, we also have various plans and dreams that we're contemplating right now. Like what might be some of those plans people are thinking about? Maybe some of you are thinking about that next test that I have to pass or that job coming up that I really want or that promotion in the career I'm in or you're looking at retirement and what will I do after that or you're thinking about that date you want to ask out (laughs) or engagements or you're planning a marriage or you're looking ahead to children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren maybe after the borders open up you want to travel travel the world or travel even locally, see what's in our own backyard here in Australia, and also maybe do a mission trip. Maybe you want to do a course of study. So that's my one plug that if you are interested in studying ministry or theology, I'd love to have a chat with you (laughs) about how Vose, what we could do for you at VOS. But there's lots of plans we have and goals and dreams we might aspire to. But we recognize that COVID's kind of interrupted. Who could have anticipated what 2020 would have looked like? So we can't do a lot of these plans when the borders are closed. And maybe you have this experience where you have family or friends in other parts of Australia or other parts of the world, and you can't see them like you normally could. Or you put your weddings on hold. or the job market has kind of frozen up and you're looking for work or there's no upward movement or um, lots of things have been interrupted maybe people have lost jobs or they're suffering economically or health-wise COVID has changed plans maybe forever altered some of our plans and so we think what do we do now how do we plan for the future in the midst of everything that's going on in the present so I thought One way that we could look at an example of someone who's making future plans is the Apostle Paul. And we'll look at Paul's plans in Romans. Now, I remember about three years ago when I was still in Canada, I was teaching at a seminary on Romans, and uh, my church was doing a sermon series on Romans. So I got asked to speak on one of the passages, and you think, Romans, what a great text to preach on. We have all these, like, Christianese terms in Romans that you have to have a dictionary and a church background to understand, like, what is original sin and justification, sanctification, so what would be my chapter to preach on? And I was assigned the chapter in Romans 15. You know, Paul's list of his travel plans and who he wants to meet up with and funds he wants to raise, and you say, well, what can I preach on on that chapter? Like, At least it wasn't chapter 16 where it's just a list of names. Where greet Andronicus, greet Junia, greet Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, Sometimes that reminds you of the traditional sermon of just reading a genealogy. This person begat this person, this person begat. And that would be a hard topic to preach on. But at least with Romans 16, when you actually look at the names, there's some interesting things to gather from that chapter. One is that the names, there's a mixture of both Jewish and And non-jewish names and both male and female names including Junia an apostle Phoebe a deacon and Priscilla with Aquila who are teachers and missionaries Uh, so it's a great chapter for egalitarian ministry and what that looks like in a church context but what could I say about Romans 15 so the approach that I want to take even today is you know what were the plans that Paul was writing down when he was writing this letter and what actually happened in Paul's life. So I'm gonna just read the passage that I have here and then we'll break it down. So Paul says, this is the reason why, he's writing to the Romans, I have so often been hindered from coming to you, but now since I no longer have any room for work in the regions I've been traveling and have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing. As I then go on to Spain, and to be helped there on my journey there by you, Once I've enjoyed your company for a while At present however, I'm going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the Saints for Macedonia And Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the Saints in Jerusalem For they were pleased to do it and indeed they owe it to them for the Gentiles or that is the non-Jewish peoples of the world Share in the spiritual blessings that were once given to Israel They ought to be of service to them in material blessings When, therefore, I have completed and have delivered what has been collected, I will then leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessings of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit um, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf so that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service to Jerusalem will be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come with joy and be refreshed in your company. And then he closes with, May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. So those are the plans, a very definite itinerary that Paul set out for himself. But what actually happened? How much of these plans actually were accomplished? Because we can then turn to the book of Acts, And we could read some of Paul's biography. And we can read some of his other letters um, and some other early Christian writings and figure out what happened to Paul. So let's break this down. First, he wants to go to Jerusalem. And he's raising this collection of money. When Paul first became an apostle, originally he was a persecutor of the church, trying to destroy the church community. But then he had his own encounter with the risen Christ. But people were very suspicious of him. Right? Like are you a spy? Are you a genuine follower? You were our enemy, um, but the Apostles gave Paul the right hand of fellowship And we read about this account in Galatians um, And one thing they say in Galatians they say Paul We accept your ministry to the non-jewish nations of the world, but uh, we'll stay in Jerusalem But just remember the poor And so that really stuck in Paul's heart, to remember the poor, and he seems to take this, remember his poor brothers and sisters, his fellow Jewish community in Jerusalem. So you can actually see Paul raising this collection of money when you read various letters. And this is one thing that helps scholars to date when these letters were written, because you can follow the development of this collection from Galatians to first and second Corinthians to Romans is the last mention of this collection. Um, And one thing he wants to do, it's it's charity, it's helping the poor, but it's also much more than that. This this gift was meant to show the unity of Jews and non-Jews in Christ, that they had different customs and different cultures and different backgrounds, but together they were part of a worldwide family of God. So it was also very symbolic about we belong to the global church and we help each other out. But we read that he's nervous to go to Jerusalem. So what actually happened with this collection of money that he spent so much time raising? Well, in Acts, he goes back to Jerusalem, and he meets Jesus' brother, who's James. And James is a key leader of the Jerusalem church at this time. And James tells him that thousands of Jews have responded positively to his message. But they're very suspicious of Paul. So one thing Paul was saying when he was going to the other nations is he was saying you can be, belong to the family of God. Um, you can be a child of God without becoming Jewish first. That whether you're Egyptian or Greek or Roman, you can remain as you are with the cultural customs that you have. If you put your faith in Christ and your allegiance in Christ's death and resurrection, uh, you can belong to the people of God. But some people in Judea took that to mean Paul's just bashing the law of Moses wherever he goes to these other nations. That um, he criticizes their customs. He's an enemy. And they were highly suspicious of Paul. So James had an expedient solution to this. Paul, we need you to undergo this traditional custom. There's these people that they're undergoing a, a right. And you're going to go to the temple with them and uh, ensure that you perform the correct procedures. And then people see that you are a a loyal Israelite. You are obedient to the law yourself. And so Paul agrees to do this. But the problem is someone thinks he's brought a non-Jewish person into the temple, into a place they were forbidden to go. And so the mob gets really riled up about this, and they pounce and attack Paul. And he eventually gets arrested. So he had a bit of right to be a bit afraid to go to Jerusalem in light of what happened. And what happened to that collection of money? Well, we actually don't know what happened. Paul talks about in the book that he was bringing alms to his nation, but did they accept the money? Were they like, thank you for your gift? Yes, we are a global family in Christ. Or did they say, I'm sorry we can't take that gift? You're a little bit too much of a liability for us, Paul, and we have to distance ourselves from you. Is that what happened? Well, we just don't know. So we don't know how it was received, if it was received. What about his next plan? He hoped to go to Jerusalem and then go to Rome. Because one thing, when he was writing this letter, he had never actually met the Roman Christians. Other missionaries had traveled to Rome and founded the church communities there. And Paul loves to be the one who starts the church, who plants the church. So this was something that bothered Paul. um, But he realizes that's why he wants to go to Spain, (laughs) to plant a new church there. Um, But they may have heard of Paul by reputation. And who knows if everything they heard was good either. So one reason for writing the letter of Romans would be to clear up, this is who I am. And this is what my theology is, and this is how I want to intervene in your situation. But did he get there to Rome after he ended up in prison? Well, for a while he ended up languishing in prison for years, mistreated, not really given a fair trial. So eventually, in being annoyed by these circumstances, he finally said, I'm innocent of these charges. I didn't bring anyone into the temple that wasn't supposed to be there, I didn't break any laws and I appeal to the Roman Emperor. I want to stand trial before Caesar. And so they said, okay, then we will ship you to Rome. So Paul did in fact go to Rome, but not as the free person that he anticipated in the letter. He went there as a political prisoner where his mobility was restricted. He was confined to imprisonment in a house where he ministered to people who came to see him and then wrote various letters what we call the prison epistles. What else can we say about Paul's plans? Did he end up going to Spain? Well, again, we don't know because the New Testament doesn't tell us. The book of Acts ends with Paul under house arrest in Jerusalem for two years, preaching to everyone who came to see him. And then the curtain closes. It's like a cliffhanger where you want to say, what, what's happened to Paul? Did his trial happen? Was he judged innocent or guilty? But that's not the point of the book of Acts. The point of the book of Acts is the gospel had been brought from Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. So now it's in the heart of the Roman Empire where it can go everywhere else. So the story closes with Paul in suspension about what's going to happen. Some scholars believe Paul never got out of that house imprisonment. The church tradition is that Paul was beheaded for his faith. Um, there was a time when there was a major fire in Rome that consumed much of the city, and the Roman emperor was blamed for being negligent. We kind of think in COVID times as well, when people are upset about certain governing rulers and you know how responsible were they for, uh, during a time of pandemic. Same thing happening in Rome right? Big natural disaster. Uh, And and there was a saying, Nero fiddled while Rome burned. So Nero sort of needed a scapegoat, so he blamed it on this small group of Christians. This hated group in Rome, they're the ones who caused the fire, so we will punish them. And Paul lost his life as part of Nero's program for punishing Christians in the city of Rome. But There is another possibility. We have a letter from a bishop in Rome named Clement. It comes at the end of the first century. And this bishop says Paul made it as far as the farthest regions of the west, which if you brought up a map of the ancient Roman Empire would be Spain. So it is also possible that Paul was initially released from prison. People said, okay, he's innocent. And he went on further travels. He got to Spain only to then be rearrested and executed. So that's a question that's uncertain. So I want us to think carefully about this. Paul wrote all these plans that he wanted to do when he was writing the letter to the Romans. Some of those plans happened. Some of those plans were fulfilled, but in ways that he entirely did not expect them to be fulfilled. Some of those plans never happened. So what does that tell us when we make our own plans and our own goals? Now, often you know, I can find myself worrying a lot about the future, and I realize I just need to write these things down, right? Write the five-year goal plan. I don't do it, but I see the benefit of having five-year goal plans and writing where you want to go in the immediate and the long-term future. And my my parents are financial advisors, so I I get the whole thing about investing, And having uh, a will to care for our loved ones and all these things I think part of that is being good stewards of the resources that God has given us so I I think those are all good things making plans um, using our resources wisely but then it comes to a point where we realize our plans are not in our own hands that we don't ultimately have control of our own destiny and So we have to eventually say, I entrust my plans to God. And God will do what he has with the plans. I think with my story, I never, five years ago, Australia wasn't even on my radar. uh, As I kind of worked part-time and was trying to figure it out. And actually, I preached a sermon when I was a part-time worker, not knowing what my future plans will be. And today, in COVID circumstances, we find ourselves again in that situation, not knowing where this will all lead, where it will all turn out. But we know that God is both Lord of the present and Lord of the future. And we can entrust ourselves to God. Um, There's a verse in James. So if you wanted to look it up, it's in James 1, verses 13 to 14. And the verse is talking about how some people say, I want to go out and have a business and make a profit. Uh, So making plans. And then James says, well, you don't even know what tomorrow will lead. Uh, So you are amiss. And we we all are amiss. We're here one moment. We're gone the next. Instead, James says, you should ask if the Lord wills, we will do this or we will do that. So, leaving it in the hands of God. Or I think of the sermon that Jesus gave about worrying. About how we can't control a single hair on our head. Even though all the hairs on our head are numbered. And look at the lilies of the field. You know, they don't dress in fine clothes. But look how God clothes them. So, we sang the song today, You are a good, good father. So we can entrust our plans, our dreams, and our goals to God. We can trust that as individuals, and we can entrust that as a church community. So what I'd like us to do is take some time. Let's just take a few minutes here. And then I'll call up the worship band again. So two minutes. Just pray, what is God, where do you feel God is calling you to do? What are the plans and dreams that you have set out for yourself right now? And then entrust those to God and say, you know, I commit these in your hands, God. So just take a few moments of silent reflection. And then I'll ask the worship team to come up for the final song. Amen.